Welcome everyone. We are back with another week with your host, Mordechai Weinberger, LCSW. It's Mordechai Weinberger, licensed clinical social worker. We're over here at the studios at JRoot Radio, and they are coming out now with a very special um, magazine that will be coming out. I'm not sure if it's going to be weekly or monthly, but you can get that for advertisements. You can advertise. It'll be Shiorim. Almost everyone that is speaking over here will have some commentaries in that. As well as, if you'd like, you can download the app because everything is going through apps. So you can hear JRoot Radio 24-7 with all their programs and all their Shiorim. And they've got now very cute speakers that's going with it. So you can hear us at JRoot Radio. The number to call with your question or comment is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. And I look forward to taking your question or comment. We are going to start on line one with Sarah. Sarah, you're on the air with Mordechai. Hi, I have a question regarding my friend. We got close after we were in school. She's a classmate of mine. And we sort of got married at the same time and had the first baby at the same time, second baby at the same time. And we just got friendly with daily chit-chat. And as my life took on a different turn, um, I find myself not having patience to speak to her. And she keeps on calling me, and I'm not sure what to do. I don't want to hurt her or end the relationship, but I just need advice on how to deal with this. Excellent. Fantastic question and a very real question. That's why I find it fantastic. What I mean by a fantastic and real question is that part of the process of friendship, part of the process, I should say, of relationship is that we evolve. Life is all about evolving. The tree, seasons we know, there's winter, there's summer, there's fall, and that's how the process, that's how we continuously grow, we change. Something that people don't always realize is that emotions and people or friendship changes as well. That means we start on one level and then we continuously grow. And as we grow, as as, as the Rabbeinshleim will send us other stuff in our lives, then we grow based on those instances. So many times children could be in the same class where life is relatively the same, so they're pretty much on the same level. But then when we get married, the Rabbani Shalom sends everyone there in Nisiyinus, or as we turn into teenagers, go to different schools, we start turning different levels, and the more or the harder the Nisiyin are, we change based according to that. We get stronger. Now what happens, and what you're describing, is issues that many people find, that I hear many people say, that as they're getting older, what happens is they their old-time friendships, they could have friendships for 20 or 30 years even, that they're raised together, but now things have changed because they are not the same person that they were then. And now the question is, are we going to fight for that relationship to stay the same way that we're trying to force it, the same way it was before, or can we let it fade in and fade out? And that is part of relationships are now we're closer, we have more in common, we have less in common. There are certain friendships that we might have that you won't be in touch with each other for many years, but then suddenly you're in touch and it's like never before. And those are people that are similar, but then there are people that are different, that we're around for certain reasons. We weren't that close, and as our gap grows, um, as we grow, the gap grows. So to take it to your question on a more grounded level, is it normal for this to happen? Of course it's normal. Now, is your question what to do about it? My question is how to continue it. And how about you can even discuss this with your friends, saying, you know, it's interesting. We used to talk about this. We used to talk about that. And it was, such, it was of such a big interest to me. Now it's not that of an interest to me. It's going to get hurt. 
Okay, let's just take a step back. The number to call in with your question or comment is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. Looking forward to taking your question and comment. Now, which part of this statement, if we say, you know, we talked, you know, we always talk about this and now my interests are sort of changing. I went through this and this or I'm or just this and this is something I don't enjoy talking about. What else can we talk about? It's not a specific discussion that I have with her. We spoke about general life, um, but I'm just not on the same emotional level as her. And I don't want to go back down. So let's let's take it in a different way. When I usually use the word codependence about how we try to control situations, let's take it that way. You want to have a relationship with her. You want it to be on your level. You're not strong enough to tell her that she should raise the level. And yet you're trapped now. Is that correct? Correct. Now that is called controlling the Rabbi Shalom, if I may say that humbly. You're not giving the Rabbi Shalom really any room. I want everything my way. I don't want her to get hurt. I don't want to tell her that it's got to, you know, that she's got to raise herself to to my level. I don't want to go down to her level. I don't want the friendship to eight to to end. Correct. Right. That is control, and that's many times we have anxiety, where we are not able to deal with reality as it comes. Part of what we need to do is adapt. So I'm going to ask you now, what can you do to adapt? Don't try to control the situation. Well, I don't have to pick up the phone when she calls. And what will you gain by doing that? Nothing. Exactly. This is an inner issue here. So let me ask it. Let's take it to you. Do you find yourself in many things of life trying to control, trying to make everything work out your way? And to be more exact, are you someone that will sacrifice yourself just to make it work. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Now, how about we can learn differently that part of what codependent people need to learn, where I put myself in that boat as well, is need to learn to let go. Let go means either tell her, you know something, I'm just a different person. Can we talk about other stuff? I'd like spending the, a discussion talking about something very different. How about if you just be able to respect the relationship that you've had till now and now realize and start connecting to other friends as well. Right, that's what's happening. Yeah, and then to respect that this transfer is a normal transfer. I've got a program, two programs, where you can either hear it on the phone line of 718-298-2011 or you can download it from the website, a winner formula, and their number... 18 and 19, one is learn how to connect to everyone, and the night that's 18 and 19 is how to make friends, which is really best friends. Part of that concept is that friendships do end. There, are, there is a beginning, there's a middle and an end. If we can't respect the process, then we end up fighting with them. We end up getting hurt at them. It sounds like your friendship might be ending, or you might need a little bit of a break. Just like we work for six days, you have a seven-day vacation. The seventh day is a break of Shabbos. We're supposed to learn and do that. But the concept is that there's got to be a little bit of a change. Not answering the phone is an option if you look at it differently. If instead of looking at it as, as you're avoiding it, looking at it as I'm now learning how to let go. I'm allowing myself to change. I'm allowing others to change. I'm allowing myself not to be responsible for everything. 
What happens if you tell her, you know, lately I haven't been enjoying that much the conversations? What would happen if you would say that? She'd say, okay, fine, and not call me as much again. Okay, and what's the issue with that? I don't want her to be hurt. Ah, so now we are also controlling her emotions now. I guess. I'm Excellent. a people pleaser. What? I guess. I'm a people That's pleaser. That's right. So like now let's people... change the words of people pleaser and let's use the word to people slaver. You are a slave to other people. That is, again, codependence. Codependence means my happiness is dependent on someone else. My freedom is dependent on someone else. I can only take an hour a break for myself when everything else is taken care of. That's when I have time for me. Do you hear that? Yes, strongly. Excellent. Does that make sense to you? Yes. So I, in other words, I can do what my heart tells me to do, and I don't have to worry about her emotions. That's her problem, not mine. Yes, but now let's notice the extremes. How do we know when someone is healthy? And forgive me for being like this blunt, so I'm not, not calling you healthy, just clarifying there are different levels of healthiness. When someone has two options of either I must speak to her all the time or I cannot speak to her at all, like I don't have to worry about her, then that's not the healthy point. So I always tell people, please give me five options. Two of them out of the five will be the extremes. Now, can you give me three other options that you can have with her? Besides for not care about her emotions or only care about her emotions? Well, I can say it tactfully. I can speak, I, I speak to her sometimes. Let's try that. Time. Now, hold on. Before we deal with her, as my system in therapy and my belief is always about inner work, which means what do you first need to tell yourself? That I changed. It's yes. okay that the relationship changed. Yes. And, it, and it's okay that she will not be hurt because just like things are changing with me and her, things will change in other places in her life and other people will change with me. I am letting her free and I am letting myself and I'm setting others free. Let's rephrase it. I am setting myself free that I can change and I am allowing others to change as well that they're allowed to change out of me. One of the beauties or I say the saddest moment in therapy is actually, I shouldn't say saddest, second to the saddest. Saddest for me is when I cannot help a client, but second to the saddest is when we're done. And it's a huge mazel tov. Last week I had two people that bar Hashem, or three actually, that we're completely done with. That was fantastic, but it was sad. We worked, we accomplished, and part of it is we, not only do we let go, it's healthy to let go with the bracha. Does that make sense? Yes. So now, what can you tell yourself that your codependence, I'm allowing myself to change, to continuously go through the change process. I'm allowing my friend and the whole world to go through the change process. I'm me as well, so someone may stop having a relationship with me. And that's okay. What can you do to give yourself that permission? I guess I need to let go. Not let so go of, down. good, go the let go of, what are you letting go of? Of my control. Of my desire to be a slave to other people. Yes, and how can you do that? By just following the path Hashem has led me on. And mm. Yes, and let Him run the show a little. Magnificent. So now, how do you feel if you can let go to the, to the Rabbeinu Shleilam? Now, what, now, if I would rephrase the question to you, what should someone do that they're changing and their friendship 
hasn't, their friend is on that level, they've had certain circumstances or life or growth that happened to them, how can they grow? Well, how can they, what should they do now? Should they end the relationship, stay in the relationship? Should they stay exactly the way it was? Can it be different? What would you suggest? Well, I guess I would tell them to do it casually, but it's okay if things happen and you weren't expecting them. And it's okay if, as an end result of you're not being on the same level, things just change. Excellent. Fantastic advice. That's something I would have thought of myself. <laughs> How do you feel hearing that? Good. Now I have to implement it. That's definitely the whole next step. Thank you, Sarah, for calling in. I appreciate it. We are going to go to Chaya. Chaya, on line two, you're on the air with Mordechai. Yes. Hello. Yes. First, I'd like to thank you for your amazing program. Thank my you. My whole entire family really enjoys it. Ah, my honor. And, and I find that you spurred a lot of conversations we wouldn't otherwise have just because you created the awareness, and I got aware of a lot of issues. Thank you. And also, before I ask my question, I'd like to thank you for um, an answer you gave to someone. I remember which program it was, which show, but I remember someone asked about a friend that she wants to keep up the relationship and you explained to her that not every relationship is supposed to be kept up, and most relationships are not to be kept up forever. Yes. And I appreciated it because before I got married, I had a lot of close relationships, and I found that after I got married, I just kept up with a close few of them, and sometimes I thought that maybe I might regret that I, even though technically it's impossible, but I always felt that maybe a little bit guilty, and maybe I might regret it one day that I'm not keeping up all of them, but then I realized that it wasn't meant to be kept up, and we could still have very feelings for each other, and the relationship doesn't have to be kept up in order for us to feel the feelings that we have for each other. Beautiful. Beautiful, well, yes. Like thank you for that. My pleasure, and, and thank you. By the way, just so as my- a therapist, you've told me your past, present, <laughs> just with that little story. Okay. <laughs> But well, anyhow, question, let, yes. Okay, so my question is as follows. The thing is that I find myself um, creating stress, or I would say just being stressed most of the day, um, not because of outer circumstances, I would say, just because of my nature, I guess. And I'd like to know some tools which could help me just relax myself. Okay. The downside, the positive side of calling me of this program is that you get pretty good answers. The downside is you're probably not going to be getting the answers that you want to hear. It's okay. I, I really don't enjoy doing this, but so feel free if you'd like to answer this question, yes or no. Which one or both of your parents are very critical, very tense, and major perfectionist? Only answer if you'd like. You could say, I don't want to answer that. That's acceptable. If one or both. Um, I don't think that any of them have any of these problems, like, as in real major problems. I didn't ask real major. Real major is depending on the therapist or an outside source saying, when you're when we're raised in a family, we don't see a lot of things. When we see it by others, we see it very differently. So would you say... I don't say, think they are. Okay. So you would say that none of your parents are perfectionists? None of your parents are going, why didn't you do that better? You should have done it better. You should have done no, it quicker. Not, not at all. Maybe, maybe a, a bit of a perfectionist, but not critical at all. When 
perfectionist and critical go together. Cannot have a perfectionist and not be critical. I wouldn't say that that is the issue. I think I grew up in a very, very healthy family. Then explain explain to me the anxiety. Anxiety is, maybe that is linked, maybe I should give you, like, what I thought of asking is that I also find that most of the times I have to give myself an explanation as why I'm doing that above the other. Let's say if I choose to go to sleep, I'm going to tell myself that's the right thing to do. And if I choose to not go to sleep and do bake a cake, I'm going to have to explain to myself or to my friends or to anyone why what I'm doing is the right thing that I'm doing. And I constantly find myself giving my, myself the explanation, except for just realizing that it doesn't have to be the smartest thing to do, or just because I'm doing it because I'm doing it, and it doesn't need any explanation. All right, so let me, let me explain to you how this was so clear to me. When you've given me that little bit of information about after you got married that you wanted to keep up with everyone, and then you realized you can't or that information, but you still had it, that gave away all this bit of information that you said. What that means is that you haven't mastered it as a teenager in the younger teenage years, and you're only getting it later. That means you're someone that wants to do everything. That means you're aware of everything. That's why I use the, the title more perfectionist, because if someone's not a perfectionist, they're not aware of everything. So you're aware of everything. The other issue is you don't, haven't been taught how to let go. As you said, like you've gotten from that question that, yes, as you grow and as new things happen, you need to focus the most, though you can focus on the important ones or the best friends, but you will not be able to do everything. As you said, even though you know it, you couldn't integrate it. That is what tells me that you have a major perfectionist. Perfectionist comes with self-doubt. Perfectionist comes with needing to rationalize everything in your brain because at all times your brain is saying, I should have done something else. The way you're making it so natural that you're a perfectionist and it's like okay. a normal part of life is what leads me to believe that one or both of your parents are that way. That's why I asked it. You're discussing perfectionists that people come into my, come into my office saying, I'm a perfectionist and it's ruining me, making as if it's normal. Which leads me to believe that when people feel that it's normal, when they come into my office tell me something is normal, I know one or both parents have it and several siblings have it. Okay. That's why I asked which one of your parents are perfect, are perfectionist. And usually when you're perfectionist, you get overwhelmed. You might be younger married. I don't know how many children you got. But when you're older, there's going to be more Pesach cleaning to do. There's going to be more money to bring in. There's going to be more tension, more children that might not be doing excellent in school that's going to be eating up. And that's why right, I was asking. So that's what I want to avoid. But before we avoid, we cannot change until we understand what's happening. That's the point in therapy. Therapy is first helping you identify the roadmap. You're on a path. Where did you learn the path? If you cannot realize that some steps that you were raised with is not correct, we will not be able to change that because you're going to tell me, but this is normal. So when we can sometimes help a person identify, this is the past where you learned it from. Your parents are excellent, unbelievable, and we are not questioning them, and the mitzvah's kibbutz of aim is there. But since they are humans, they're allowed to make a mistake. Is there a mistake or two that you've learned from them that you will now change? Not chasashon being poigim in the mitzvah of kibbutz of aim. But in order for that to happen, so if you want to change, you first need to recognize what you're not doing well. So if you have certain beliefs, certain thoughts, yeah, well, I can get 100, so I must get 100. Or you got to do the best that you can. And the answer is, that's not true. You got to do the best that you can at that time. Okay, but if I'm aware of it, like I know, I see so, that some members of my family are not this way and they're much more easygoing, 
and I know that this is the healthy way of living. And when I am trying to be so, first let's identify myself, which one of your parents are that way. Which one of your parents do you look at, and you're very similar to them? I would say my father. Okay. Now, how similar are you to him? Ten percent of the way you're thinking. Is it forty percent of the way you're thinking? Is it 70, 80 percent? Um, maybe 75. Good. So now that we've gotten 75 percent of your perfectionist way of thinking and expectations are there, there are several sessions that usually we discuss. I also like, now that you're calling in, just got my mind thinking, there's a shtickle of Mazel Tov. Last week I discussed about publishing about I have the book, and this probably four of the chapters in those books I would have recommended for you to read. A publisher did accept it. I can tell you Art Scroll actually did accept it. And Merit Hashem, well, I'm going congrats. to be... What? Congratulations. I'm Thank so you. It's actually, it was a beautiful simcha. The Bunchlam has sent me like three major successful things I've been working on for months to happen last week. And as the Rabbanishlam always works, there were like two major zetzes, I would almost call that was a lot of stress, but Baruch Hashem... I'm just sharing it. So when people always hear the positives, don't always think everything always goes rosy. There's always balance, but unbelievable schuss. I would have recommended for you to read those, but I'll tell you which programs to listen to. In the programs where you can either listen to it on the phone line or you could download them to an MP3 from my website at winnerformula.com, there's number five, the poison of criticism, which is what you do to yourself. Not that others are doing it to you. Perfectionism perfectionists criticize themselves all the time number six is caught in the trap of regret which is highly highly important and number 14 about inner peace about quietness about quieting our brain about understanding that when we do less we actually accomplish a lot more and that's a very very important yesoid for people dealing with with perfectionist syndrome again just know you're in comfortable hands because i would say the number one diagnosis in the from world is perfectionist. Number two would be codependence. Can I ask you something like Go um, right just ahead. to make it clear? Yes. I also I also find that uh, but probably all linked together, but anyway I find in myself that I'm aware that I use more my logical brain than my feelings. So my feelings could tell me one thing and I know that I'm doing it I shouldn't be doing it logically, but I'm doing it just because this makes sense now, but really I shouldn't be doing it. So I'm aware of it. That's right. I can't so you I could help. I, that's what I'm asking you. Like, if you could share with me, at least till I get to the book or anything, just a tool, how to just tell myself, no, you're going to listen to your body and not to what makes sense now to do. There is a concept of closing your eyes, taking a pen and paper, and just write your feelings. What you need to do is start teaching yourself feelings. Logic and feelings are very different, different parts of the brain. And the reason I'm asking you to close your eyes is because the more you look, your eyes are seeing, your eyes are directly attached to your conscious thinking. When you close your eyes, you want, and then write, you're going to start noticing thoughts. The first five or ten things you're going to be writing will be on your logic brain. But after that, your feelings are going to be coming up. And that will be the first thing that I would work with you, just to write happy thoughts, sad thoughts, no poems. Again, if you're a very creative writer, definitely, then that's your flow. But just write things that are bothering you, and you're going to see. But cover your eyes. So if you can have, remember when they have on those airplanes, those eye, those points that cover your eyes, like that cloth? Mm. If you can do that, or if you have glasses, put a tissues in your glasses so you can't look. Your eyes are going to be so tempted to open. doesn't matter if you're not going to be writing straight. It's about getting it out. 
the first mm -hmm. step for you is to learn how to get your emotions out without your logic filtering it. Mm -hmm. I understand. Excellent. Hey. Thank you. Thank you. But again, listen to those programs because those are the starts. The Poison of Criticism and Caught in the Trap of Regret, which is number five and six. Those are from the most important ones, how to let go, how to start letting go of the perfectionist. There is one other program, number 38, that you're going to love to love for. I made it really for someone like you, but it's really, unfortunately, have myself in mind. And it's Hashem, you must listen to me. Consciously, we are controlling the Rabbi Nishleilam. And when we notice how many times we try controlling him with our logic, we start going, wow, I need to work on myself. <laughs> so okay. number 38 is for all us codependent brothers and sisters, that is the one to listen to. Hashem, you must help me. And you're going to start noticing how controlling we are on the subconscious level. Thank okay, you, Chaya. I appreciate uh, it. Yeah, thank you for the bravery calling in. We are going to go to Levy on line three. Levy, you're on the air with Mordechai. Hi. How Hi. are you doing? Baruch Hashem, I would like to thank you very much for your program. With pleasure. And first I want to give you a mazel tov. I, about two weeks ago you said we're all kroivim. Yes. Uh, we're one family who's look, looking to grow, so I'm very happy to be in your family. Thank you. And I'm happy and an honor to be part of yours. Thanks. And second of all, it's a huge chizik that you're giving for everybody, that, that even the very famous Mordechai Weinberger needs the chizik, and you, all, you, you never hide it from anybody. You say, you're still struggling on, on certain things that you want to grow. So it's, it shows us that we're all here to work. Thank you. And to actually validate what you're saying, I usually take sessions on me. So yes, people, I take sessions. I say it all the time on me. And Baruch Hashem, I have a wonderful marriage, wonderful kids, wonderful parnasa. But there are personal issues I'm dealing with. No, do not think I'm taking the sessions because of clients. Baruch Hashem, I've got a lot of experience. I've got the people that I contact for help. The sessions are on my personal growth. And I usually take them every two weeks. The last two weeks, maybe even three weeks, I've had them every single Matzah Shabbos done on me. And I don't take a 45-minute session on me. They're about two and a half to three-hour sessions. So, yes, I am a believer in therapy. I go for therapy. And therapy doesn't mean where I tell the guy what to do on me. The person works on me and I need to let go and surrender. And the persons need to ask questions that might hurt me sometimes or go deep, dark places where I didn't notice, but the therapist wow. has picked up. And yeah, so this past Motsa Shabbos, I had a two and a half hour session on me. There's a word they say in Yiddish that uh, healthy people loyalty therapy and the non-healthy schleppkunty therapy. Ah, very nice. There's a similar line to, like, to that that I like, and someone told me, if you think education is expensive, try ignorance. Right. Yeah. I, I have a question. Go ahead, Rablevi. Which is actually two. I have three girls, which they go in one grade. Yes. They were till now in one grade. This school only has two. And... I don't want to change schools, so they are remaining as of now in this school. Okay. So I'm going to put one girl in one class and two girls in the other class. Yes. So my question is, uh, first of all, how the one that I'm going to put in the separate class, she's definitely going to be jealous on the 
two which are going together, how could I prepare her up to the best? She shouldn't be, it shouldn't bother her, or at least shouldn't bother her too much. Okay. I'm also going to ask, I know Malki is listening on line one, so please hold. We're going to go to you right after. I know you're holding a while, so please hold because we are married to Shem going to go to you. I'd like to put a, a different idea, not that you shouldn't do what you're doing, but a different idea into the whole concept. Okay. And that is, how about, I'm assuming they're not like five, six years old. Are they older ones? I'm sorry, I actually made an assumption without asking. Uh, it's, they're about five. Oh, they are young. Oh, okay, then it changes a lot. I thought if they were older, like teenagers, I would have discussed it with them. And I would have had them make a decision. And sometimes one of the natures might want to be individual. The mm -hmm. other nature might want to be together. Uh, mm -hmm. Like there might be different natures where it will actually benefit. This one wants to be alone and these two want to be together. And uh -huh. that's a concept that many times parents don't realize. But if we discuss it with them, one child might even say, you know, this year I'm okay being alone, but next year I want to be together and I want to be with that one. And then the other one will say, okay, and then you might do that whenever they switch again, how the switch will be. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. possible if we can discuss it with them to make it easier. Do you but think what, it's five years? That's the it? issue. Now, now the question changes a lot based on the years of the age. If they're five years old, let me ask you a question. Is it possible to put all three together? They were till now, and we as the parents see that it's not good for them for several reasons, and the school said the same thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay, so we got to change two, and one will be this, and one will be there. Is there another time that there will be a change that maybe we can tell it to the five-year-olds? Uh, explain it, please. Is there a way that we can try that first idea? We'll come up with two, three other ideas. But, okay. first, but the first idea is, can we explain to them that we can only have two in one class and one in the other? So why do we do that everyone should be happy? And it might be that every Shabbos, the one that's alone, will get an extra candy, will get an extra zmiris, will get to sit next to you, will get an extra bracha, uh, whatever oh. it should be. Uh, makes sense. Okay. That is step one to it. Just bring them involved in the in the in the planning and in the process, which will give them maturity. Okay. And, and then work with them. So what I did is another way to work it out with them. Oh, that's a pretty interesting question. Is but excuse me, but uh, even though I will work it out with them, they are smart to understand my question and my plan. But I don't think any one of these are going to be masking to be by themselves. They are going to hear that who we are going to decide must be yeah. extra, will get extra things, but it's not going to help enough. Okay. Nobody's going Is to there a cousin? Is there a cousin or a friend in that other class that they're going to be going with? Might be. I have to check. Might be. So if we can look at it, we can now start doing it that they are not alone. That they are wow. going with someone else. So we, in our brain, we can pair it up. So I gave this example once before on the radio, and I loved it. I was once walking by in one of the yeshivas. I went to visit a principal, and there were probably about six-year-old kids talking. And I hear the way three kids are together, and I loved it. They're on the floor playing like with some little matchbox cars. And one kid is telling the other, ha, your father is only a lawyer. My father's on food stamps. The government gives him money. <laughs> okay. And it was adorable to see. It's all about the spin that we put in the kids. Mm -hmm. If you can tell this girl, we're setting you up with a cousin because you're a strong person. You can do it and you're going to be her best friend. 
or you're going to be leader of the class. So that's why if we can put a positive spin to it, children will feel that and believe that. Okay. So the second point would be what positive spin can we put on it? How for her to feel that, wow, she's strong. Okay. Very good. I don't remember which one of the psychologists in the 1940s and 50s, I'm not sure if it was Watson Skinner, but these were the behavioral therapists way back when, and they said to do something that's unethical. Unethical means they will not do it today because it's not right. But he said, you give, me, you give me 18 newborn babies, you tell me which one you want to be, a doctor, a lawyer, a robber, a thief, whatever you want, and I will educate this person in a way that they're going to believe they're the best healer, they're the best lawyer, they're the best Ganev in the world. Uh -huh. And what the behavioral therapist therapy shita is that your concept, what we raise someone, what we feed them, what life's behavior that are reinforced is what a person is best at. So he said a person is not really good at who they are naturally. Again, we, mm -hmm. there are three for Mahalchem, but that's a behavioralist theory. Today we have, there's a lot more, we disagree with that, but we still believe with the theory of our life experiences change us and shape us. However, there's a concept of existential theory, there's so much more to that. But what's mm -hmm. unethical is you can't just take a baby and say, now you're going to be my lab rat, we're going to change you to show our theory works. But the okay. concept, there's a lot of truth to that, that when we have a positive experience in a certain task, a certain job, we go, hey, this is something I'm good at. Mm -hmm. If we can create that with your daughter saying, you're a leader, and in this class you could be a leader, but if you stay in that class, you can't be a leader. Or you won't be able to lead for whatever reason, so that's why we're putting you to go to this and this class. And maybe the teacher could give her a role or two where she'll be a leader, so she is the one in charge of giving out the whatever it should be. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then one my... last point that I would recommend is when your daughter will be complaining for the first week, just know it's normal, and after a week, she will probably acclimate herself. It'll be okay. All changes to all humans are difficult. Kids just express it, and once we get used to it, we usually love it, and we don't think anything about it. Okay, very good. My next question about this is, which one of the three should I put separate? Which one do you feel can handle it? Um, I have two sides to the story. Okay. I'll, I'll give it uh, number one, two, and three. Okay. Number one, um, number one is uh, all of them are pretty emotional. Yes. Um, but number uh, two is extremely emotional. Yes. But she could handle her emotions. When I say no for something, she shuts down her emotions. Yes. When I, uh, when. She sees that she's getting what she wants. She's going to put on her emotions up to 150. Yeah. The other two are like normal emotional, um, but one could, con number one, controls herself very good. Number three doesn't control herself, and she is very, very jealous, but she is the smartest. It's actually complicated. I it wouldn't is. be able to give you that answer or regalachas that yeah, I'm not. I can, uh, I can tell you my two sides. What sure, go my ahead. sides are. Maybe I'll get clear let's, myself. Let's see. You know what? Let me try okay. seeing if I can guess your two sides from what you've said. Okay. The side of the one that's jealous but that's smart, you think if you'd send her alone, then she will stop with the jealousy and she, her, she can grow? Mm, Number three? Not, 
Not really, no, because I think she is too young. I don't think the jealousy is going to get. Uh, she's, um, she is going to get even more jealous that she is not with the two together. Okay. Except if all your uh, behavioral concepts of before will work that good. But if not, she is going to remain the most jealous on the other two. And, being, and that won't help her. It won't help her. The number two, I didn't say one uh, nature, that she is very, very confident and she is a leader. She is Bahamas a leader. So which... Uh, uh, so I want, uh, and, and the thing is that she is not going to be jealous on the other one, and the other one is not going to be that jealous on her because mm-hmm. she is more for herself. Yes. The, the, two and th- the one and three are much better friends. Yes. They're not so confident, and they're going to be more jealous one on the other. So I yes. have decided. So it sounds like you really decided. I didn't, no. I still have an equal question. Because the, 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 I feel that the number two should be together with somebody. And the, number, the question is to, with whom she should be, with number one or number three. And wh- so you feel number one should be alone? No, no. Um, number, either one, number one, either number three should be alone. Right, but it sounds like number three will not be able to handle it. Okay. And it sounds like number two would be able to be alone, so it's either one and three or two and three. Are those your choices? Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, I, I thought differently, but now I'm thinking like you're saying. <laughs> so the answer is, the Rabbein Shalom should send you siyata deshmaya. <laughs> oh, man. All right. A pleasure. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Rablevi, for uh, calling in. What? Okay. I, excuse me? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, I do have something else, but I'm not going to keep you now. If it's going to be empty the line soon, I might call back. Excellent. Thank you. With pleasure. And I appreciate you listening. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. We are going to Malki. Thank you for holding such a long time. Yes, hi. Yes. Yes, I'm calling from England. Oh, wow. Um, first, I want to thank you for your amazing hotline and your weekly shows. I really gained a lot. Thank you. Um, I listen to many speakers, and I always, um, most of the times when I listen, I always have something to add that, that the speaker could have said or should have said. <laughs> um, but when I listen to you, I hardly ever have anything to add to that what I say. That is nice. Got really loads of knowledge and a very good understanding. Um, I have a bit of a question. Um, I have a problem expressing my emotions, which is not uncommon in England. You don't sound that way. You sound someone that's very expressive. The way you thanked me, the way you've mentioned, let's say, that you don't have to add on, you sound very clear. So are you referring to emotions of, let's say, thank you very much? Are you referring to saying, I feel hurt, sad, identifying the details of the emotions? Uh, More identifying the details. Let's say I know that I'm emotional. I'm an emotional person. But um, when, like, I know emotional, I just... I can't identify what the emotion is, and I can't express it to someone else. So let's say, um, you know, one of my friends has some very exciting news or something, and I can't tell why I'm so excited. I just say, stay silent, because I, I don't have the words what to say. Yes. Okay. It sounds like we'll give you a couple of little exercise tools. The number to call in is 718-683-5858. So let's take this question and before we go to the answer with the tools we first try to understand how it gets closed so if you're an emotional person and you know you are 
but you have a hard time expressing, I'm going to ask you to take a guess. Why do you think it is hard for you to express emotions? Uh, it might be a, a language problem. Explain to me what a language problem means. That I don't have vocabulary. Oh, you sound yeah. like you have a fantastic vocabulary. So uh, I would rule that um, out. Okay. Um, sometimes I feel like the emotions are much more than what words can say. Yes. So now yeah, you're feeling, it. and that's a bit called perfectionist, correct? Uh, maybe. That you want to get it exactly like, right, and you can't get it exactly right, so I might as well not say anything. No, it's not exactly. I'm just lost for words. Okay. Let's try then something else. In your family, do they express themselves? Not are they feeling? Other, others, other than when they are angry? Um, no. There isn't much of a talk um, at all of emotions. Like okay. It doesn't exist. So let's clarify that <laughs> so it might... I feel myself a bit like lonely, the only one that is emotional, really. That's my father, by the way. Yeah. Um, so how about we start helping you out with that? If you can take, let's say, 10 negative emotions, and you can write them on the paper, angry, sad, nervous, furious, um, just coming up with different ones. Can you come up with some other emotions that you can think of? Um, or you can just do it. Just go, just check out different emotions of sadness or, or of pain, negative emotions, 10 negative ones, and then 10 positive ones. Yes. And then what you're going to do is you're going to do every day, like when we learn in grade school, when we start writing sentences, I feel sad today because, and we you pick, let's say you'll do five of them from those 10 words, you'll pick five negatives. Oh, I feel angry today because someone said so-and-so to me, or I feel a little hurt because someone said this. I feel maybe trapped because I can't express myself. And then you're going to do I to the... F say that again? I don't think I have five negatives to say. Clarify that? I don't think I have so much negative feelings. So That's what we'd like you to learn. That is part of very, the denial. I'm very self-aware of my feelings, but I'm, not, I'm a very positive person. How do then you? that is part of the denial. The, we are meant to be at all times, the glass is half full, the glass is half empty. If a client, if a person cannot recognize the negatives, that is not acceptable to me. If a person can only recognize their positives, they are in denial. Same if someone can only see their negatives and not the positives, they are in denial. At all times, we've got to be able to see both, and and we choose life, we choose to focus on the positive. But we've got both impossible at every hour of the day you can probably fit in where you felt a little angry hurt sad depressed tense anxious frustrated and at the same time you can find in that same hour where you felt happy calm relaxed excited um whatever else there should be peace <laughs> you gotta have the balance gotta have balance if you cannot yeah, see that's, that's thinking back I can't, I can't think of a situation when i was um now you're discussing Now you're discussing therapy. That's what we help in therapy. For people that come from a family where they were not given any emotional education, it takes time to learn to identify that. Oh, this is called happiness. Oh, this is called sadness. Oh, this is called pressure. I always thought pressure is when you're going to explode. Oh, pressure, that little headache that you get, that's because you're feeling pressure. We help you identify pressure. It's pressure and emotion. It's not an emotion pressure. Pressure is an emotion. It's anxiety. 
expresses their emotions. Sure. Do you know anxiety has probably got like 20 different subtitles under anxiety? <laughs> so because yeah. you have a lack of words, you are going to call everything anxiety. And we want to call, this has created pressure. I feel a pressure because of this. Also, you'll see seven different pressures going on. Now you understand why it equals one big anxiety. Part pressure is like, a, is like a comma in between. It's a word. I feel pressure because of this. I feel pressure because of that. I feel pressure because of that. It's not identifying your emotions. Pressure is a very, very broad term. I can use pressure for anything. How many pressures do you have on your mind right now? Right now? Yeah. How many? Mm-hmm. Uh, one, two, three, about four, five. Excellent. And that's within about three seconds. Rabbitson yeah. or Mrs.? You got a lot going on in there, and you're not even aware of that. So when you're saying you can't, just use the word pressure. Start with that. Use the use the full words. Anxiety. What are you anxious about? What are you afraid of? Write all those things. What do you have a pressure from? What has to get done? First, write a list. When you hit 25, now we can start identifying what feeling do you think a person feels that has all those 25. Now let's start breaking it down. So... One of my goals, which is not too far off because I already started that, is to make a chart of about probably 35 words of negative and 35 words of positive. There's a lot more, but you will be able to then link one of those words to those emotions. You might have five words will come up over and over, and that will be your primary education to learn how to deal with, but at least you'll expand your vocabulary. But we do know men are very good at expressing one emotion, two emotions, anger and depression. Those are the two emotions that men have. And what's happening in, this, in these years going up is I see women are learning that as well. Women have forgotten how to express. Women used to be extremely expressive, and I'm finding women expressing less and less. I should really say that's very interesting because it's the other way. In the from world, women are learning to express less emotions according what? And because more written, more um, um, verbally, people use less verbal words. Maybe. I'm not going to go into And in the Goyesha world, it's the other way around. Men are learning to express a lot more. So it's interesting. So in the Jewish world, we are finding many, many women that are not able to express themselves. And men are only knowing how to say anger and depression. And I'm finding women starting to go down that path as well. And in the Goyesha world, men are learning to express so much more. So it's an interesting how... Our worlds are mamish going in opposite directions. Uh-huh. So, so what, what you what need is... I take not summarize? Say that again. So what's my next step? Your next step is really you need a coach. I'd ask you to go to a life coach for yeah, this. I'm not I jumping. I, I went to a, a psychologist, a professional. Okay, and? Um, I just went once. So I, I wasn't sure like what with the direction that she she told me to basically for the next few weeks I should write down um, all the emotions I had now what caused this I should write down the, the right sort the of what I'm situation. doing except I just disagree that she says the next few weeks this is supposed to be a weekly practice this would be a cognitive and behavioral yeah. therapist she, she meant to say it till I come to the next time I no that's <laughs> not what she meant to say if she meant to say to come the next time means she would have scheduled you in the next time in other words, you, yeah. want, you cannot do this. You've, this is a language. How long did it take you to learn to speak? How long does it take a baby to learn to speak? Several months, if not a year? Two years. Two years? So you want to learn a language that you were not ever taught for whatever reason, and you want to learn that in one session about 
30 minutes because you probably spoke less than that. You probably spoke for about 20 minutes what the problem is, and you probably gave the therapist less than 20 minutes to give you a solution. So in 20 minutes, you want to learn an entire language. No, I wasn't expecting to learn in one session. I just like want to know if it's the right direction. If she Let's find out. Okay. Give it four times. I tell everyone, give a therapist four times. Go weekly. The important word over here is weekly. So there's exercises. Chances are you won't do the exercise well enough. Chances are a lot of stuff will be happening. Just do it. Go back weekly. Uh-huh. Are you, I'm not sure you, that uh-huh doesn't sound like you're that clear. Do you understand why? I understand, yes. Um, what I did you want to hear? Now, but I still find the problem with the language. Because of course, you haven't out. learned it, and you exactly. I agree, I'm agreeing with you. I'm not. No, dis- I have a, no you say you, you learned to make a chart of 35. Um, what was it? Positives, negatives. Um, the emotions are feeling are so much more than 35. How can you narrow it down to 35? Here's another issue you're raising: the perfectionist. You want to get all 5,000 words. In the first time. And I'm telling you, let's start. You've used maybe three words till now. Let's expand it to ten. Let's triple your vocabulary. And instead of being able to say, wow, tripling my vocabulary is a good start, you're going, but there's so much more. And I'm talking at the end. Let's say I go for 20 There you go. You're already at the the end. Don't go there. That's your perfectionist. I'm not going there. Let me ask you something. How are you able to do anything today do you know how much you need to, you know, you know what you need to accomplish? Your way of thinking, uh, how pressured do you feel in the morning when you need to wake up every day? I'm not very pressured. How not often do you go to sleep going, what I didn't accomplish last night? Never. You're, something is very not adding up. You cannot speak the way you're speaking and give me these two answers. They just don't go together. You're worried about learning all the words. And that's a minor... No, I'm, not, I'm not worried about learning the words. I'm, I have this feeling that the, the language in general in the whole world, not Italy, yeah, is even, even when I write, it's not, it's not possible to put down feelings or words. Thoughts is much a deeper, a deeper concept than the language. So what in are general, you... In yeah? Every thought is going to not every be able... Every thought, yeah. Sure. So what's your question again? So that's why I'm finding it very hard. Now, do you understand how deep you're... Now, let me explain to you why your question, why you... What you're telling me is impossible, that you don't wake up in the morning feeling overwhelmed. Impossible. I'm going to be more direct. It is impossible. Do you understand that you want to get a thought which 99% of the world, so there are 7 billion people, are comfortable with the words that we have. We might use more words to expect a thought. And because you won't get it perfect, you can't even start. That means your brain thinks in perfectionist terms on extreme perfectionist. means how can I get a word out? How can I write a word if it will never exactly identify the thought? And you're telling me that in your day you don't go to sleep saying, oh, I didn't do this and I didn't accomplish that, when you've got such an extreme with, for verbal language? Because my perfectionist thing is only this aspect. I don't think it's, I'm not perfectionist in all other areas. And I'm telling you that you should ask other people around you. The level that you have it, my senses tell me absolutely you're not correct. You might not see it. You might not see how other people are suffering. But go ahead and ask. I have now a very cute couple coming to me. 
Chances are I'll only be able to work with one of them. But the question is as follows. The husband comes in with all the wife's chasroinus, and the wife comes in with all the husband's chasroinus, and the wife says she is excellent, and the husband says he's excellent. I, I do not have faults. So oh, I tell me not... some of them. Share, share with me some of your faults. Um, some of your fault? doubts. What are some oh, of I your just, doubts? I just spoke about one of them, yeah? Yeah, <laughs> let's hear another um, one. Another one, um... What are your doubts? Tell me your doubts that walk around when you beat yourself up. What are the things you're upset at yourself? Uh, let me think. I don't um, focus on the negatives a lot. So that might lead back to what you were saying about perfectionists. Yeah. Do you yeah, change? Are so you able to change? If your husband tells you you're doing something wrong, will you say yes or will you disagree? I will agree. Of course I'll agree. I don't have a problem agreeing that. I'm not an assertive person that, you know, you know, I have to learn. But, you know, I, so I don't have a problem changing. I don't have a problem accepting my faults. Alki, something is not adding but up I over here. I wouldn't, I wouldn't for myself think, okay, I have this, this problem or that problem or that problem. Malki, something across, is not... I went for help because I want to change. I don't hear you going for help. I don't hear you that clear with what your question is. Some things are not just... Nothing is adding up to me. Let's put it this way. I would normally I can do an evaluation in a couple of minutes with you. I don't even know where to start. And sometimes I ask clients up to three sessions. I think if you went once and you didn't go back for several weeks, if you were my client, I would need to see you three sessions just to uh, get it. I just went yesterday. So. Oh, okay, good. So go yeah, ahead. Just go for back. several. My recommendation is go back. Go back for the next two, three times and get an evaluation as to what's going on. Something is just, I just don't understand Things aren't adding up to me. That's all I can say. Oh, okay. oh sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, okay, thank you very much. My for pleasure, you for sure. Cow. Yes. See the chesed Hashem and, every, and everything that happens. Amen, yeah. amen. Okay, thank amen. you very much. Yes, Hatzlacha. Shandy, you're on the air with Mordechai. Yeah, hi. Um, for the past many months of trial and error with different types of psychotic drugs, my doctor recommended I go to some kind of in-house psychiatric center so they will have the ability to find the right medication for me. Um, I'll tell you what. Uh, I'm just putting the question on hold, and um, let's just leave it. Let's just leave it. Well, it's... And having some... Oh, let's let's just take it out. We we got now for whatever reasons I'm going to keep this one private and we'll delete it, Mertzeshem, from our recordings. The number to call in is seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight seven one eight six eight three fifty eight fifty eight. Looking forward to taking questions or comments. Seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight. Here's a question on the Lakewood scoop that we got, and we had it at the beginning. It's a pretty interesting question. I am a therapist who himself suffers from high levels of anxiety. Is it something that can stunt my growth in the therapy world? Or is it, and is it bad for my clients? Is treating people with similar situations to mine bad for my own mental health? Please advise. Thank you for your show. Wow, is all I would say to this question. This is a very, very, very controversial question. Also, for the number to call in, we've got now some availability, 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. So feel free to ask your question or your comment. Why is it controversial? Let's start this way. 
Everyone has got a chasar, and I've just shared that I go for therapy myself. However, so let's take it that way. So if I go for therapy, it means everyone, if we're alive, we're going to have issues. That is one level. Now, there is another concept that we're very concerned about in therapy, and those are called transference. That means that when I have an issue, I shouldn't transfer my issues onto the client. And that's sometimes what clients do to us. So that's called counter-transference and transference. Transference is what a client does to the therapist, and counter-transference is now that the therapist will react to the client. But part of what we focus on, part of what we really focus on in therapy, in the training, in, so, in the social work school, in the psychology school, in licensed mental health counseling school, you've got supervisors making sure that your personal nagias does not get involved in your therapy training. It means if I would have shalom bias issues, if I would have anxiety, that my training and my, my system in helping therapy, my way of dealing with therapy, should not get affected by my issues. Now, let's take this to a level deeper. When we have our issues, we get blinded by it. So I personally do feel that if someone suffers from anxiety, not if he's healed from anxiety, not if he's cured it, but if someone is currently suffering from anxiety, he will or she will be blind in that area of working with that client. And I do feel, therefore, that it's not healthy for that person to work. This is my opinion. Now let's take the step further. Once you're at ease with it, some people might have issues that they are dealing with it. Dealing with it might actually make you a very good therapist because you're in it with the clients that you can relate to them. Therefore, in the AA groups, in all those Al-Anon groups, or whatever they should be, there are people that are going through it. There are also people that are more balanced in it. And that is something that's important to realize that then you can help, you can share. But if you're a therapist in suffering in that level, if it's too extreme, it might affect your therapy. I know some therapists that feel that when they're working, they're turning on a different brain and they're healthier, as they call it, that they're able to be clear and therefore they like working. But at the same time, I still believe that it will affect. My personal belief is any issue we have, it will affect our therapy session. And that's one of the main reasons why I still work on myself. Because as I grow, I'm able to go to different places that I wasn't able to go before. So my opinion is if you have levels of anxiety, somewhat you're balanced, you're dealing with it, yes, you can be a therapist. If you have high levels of anxiety, I'm sorry to say I do not believe you can be an efficient therapist, especially when to emotional disorders, our inner feelings is what's transferred, not what we speak, not what we say. Emotions are felt. Inner feelings are felt. We have it all over. We've just had it this week's Parshan Al-Kisaytse. When you're going to go to a Mulchama, if someone's afraid, don't go because fear is felt and it will cause others to feel during the war. The Gemara says we're talking about fear of an Aveira, whatever it should be. But when you've got that inner fear, it will have an effect on everyone else and that's something that we need to deal with, something that we need to grow. We are going to go to Shimon in a moment. I'd like to give first two messages. Number one, I discussed last week about Al-Anon that they start off every group about discussing that if you need a therapist, if you need to go to a therapist, go there, recognize that this is not the place. This is not in the place of therapy. I've done my research and I need to say I made a mistake. I've gone to several that have said that, but I found that not everyone does it and it's not a must. So I apologize for that. And to that person that called in, that it's not that way. However, they still all say it and everyone understands that, that you need, if you need a therapist, you go for therapy. Group therapy is not individual therapy. Individual therapy is not group therapy. 
And I would like to give a major comment to one of my clients, Divri Chizuk, to several of them, and probably two of them will know particularly what I'm talking about. One is to someone that has been going from doing their best, means they've gone to psychiatrists, they've gone to different therapists coming to me, and unfortunately it was not that matzliach, and they need to do some more extreme steps, and they've done it. It's unbelievable. Tried medications and it's not working, tried different things, different side effects were coming up, and this person is a trooper. And I just want to say publicly, keep on going, because with Siata Deshmaya, I am a believer that there's practical help for everything, especially the way you're going. So let's, Merit Hashem, get the chizik for you. And to the second person that has, in about three months, done such a, such a 380-degree circle, you've come from one place, you're at such a different place, but the environment is still so toxic, still, still so painful, and every time you slip, you beat yourself up. Stop beating yourself up. It's part of the growth. If I would look, if you would show me that from another therapist would just show me the notes where you started less than three months ago, probably two months ago, to where you are today, it's unbelievable. I would say this is a year's worth of therapy. So instead of beating yourself up, a year's worth of growth, instead of beating yourself up of saying, I'm so bad, I should have done more, what's wrong with me that I'm still falling? Look at how much you've accomplished and give yourself time. Give yourself time and go easy. So that's the different chizik that I would like to give to those two people. I know you're going through major nesiyayinus. I know the Rabbani Shalom is throwing a lot at you. Remember, the Rabbani Shalom believes in you. I can see the growth and the changes. And with Siata Deshmaya, we will be successful. Shimon, you are on the air with Mordechai. Hi. How are you doing? First of all, thank you for your wonderful sheen. It's really a pleasure. And I just want to ask you. Sure. Question. Washing. Somebody is washing. Is it a washing thing? what? Washing fruits, washing their hands, taking showers? Not, not, wa- not, not washing. Somebody is blushed. Blushing. Yes. Is it a true thing? Let me understand the question. If you could give me more words, I feel your words are a little short. I need a lot of words. If someone is blushing, is it true? Well, if they're blushing, it's true. If they're not, they're not. What's the question? The question is, is the person who is blushing, he has the right to be hurt of that? Ah, now we're going into the fear. So let me tell you the question that I think I hear you saying, and then you'll tell me if this is the question. The question is that a person is embarrassed to be in public sometimes, to get an aliyah to daven for the yamid, because they might blush, and they might get embarrassed, so they'll be afraid to ask a question, because then they'll blush, and then people will make fun of them, they might make a mistake, and then they will blush, and then people say, why are you blushing? They will get comments. And they want to know, you want to know if this is a question why you should hold back from doing things because it's true you're blushing. Is that your question? Yes. So let me explain to you the concept about blushing. The concept about blushing is that our brain has several safety techniques and certain ingrained systems, whether we think about it or not. For example, we don't have to think about our heart beating. We don't have to think about our lungs inhaling oxygen and exhaling oxygen. It happens automatically. 
part of the safeties of our system that many people have is the first time we do something, the body is afraid, and blushing, turning red, is a natural instinct of the body. Whatever the body does is how it reacts. Now, when someone is missing some tools about first-time beginning programs, which we have an entire program on beginnings, which is number 21 in the program, when someone doesn't know that because they blushed once, or if this person wasn't taught the tools of surviving in this world, which means people will make comments and to be able to go on, to be able to focus on your positive, to realize that people will not be making comments many times, to realize even when someone makes a comment, they don't mean the blushing, they mean that they want to connect to you and sometimes they don't know how to connect. So if someone is missing this information, now when they're doing something new, which is part of the process, they're doing something public, which eventually is part of the process, they now, all those mistaken beliefs that they have are now going to shut him or her down. I can't speak because I'll blush. Then I'm going to get a comment. Then I'm going to be hurt. Then I'll be a loser. Then I'll lose all my friends. Then no one's going to look at me. I'll never make a shidduch. All because I blushed. That's how the subconscious brain works. Make sense? Uh So now the answer is, is it true that he's blushing? Very likely true. Should it affect you? Absolutely not. Should you know, should you have the programs to tell you, that's okay, the first five times I'll do it, I'll blush, but then it's going to get much easier and calm down. It's okay if someone makes a comment, because it's true, but by the fifth time they won't make a comment. I get comments all the time, I heard your first program a year ago, a year and a half ago, you're so much better now. Imagine I would never start because of that comment. I knew I'm going to get that comment. That's normal. But can, can you judge someone with his blushing? These are now all your issues. So what this is called is it's under the usually the title of social anxiety. Of course you will be judged. But again, here's your dysfunction. Here's your distorted belief that if I make one mistake, I am judged that way. You make thousands of mistakes by night davening for the Yamid as well. Oh, so he doesn't daven for the Yamid. You're judged. Just let me explain what I'm asking. When, let's say a Malamud comes in, in a class and he's asking who did, who did this or that. And uh, one, 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 one boy is blushing. Is it the right for the Malamud to be judged? Does the boy because he's blushing? mean something that is blushing that he, he was doing that or just a nature of course he's asking in the public I'm blushing but it doesn't mean that I do it even if I blush so what is your question is your question is a Malamud allowed to judge based on that yeah I think what would you say is the answer to that simple questions I like not simple questions questions I think you have the answer to I feel you should be answering what but, do you think is the answer that's right. Excellent. So now, what's your question? And, and some, some, really, my question is, what my problem is? Sure. Your problem, by the way, was clear in the first minute, but... <laughs> no, but by, by, by Adrusha, let me say by Adrusha. I don't like this trick. I don't know why you're saying Adrasha. I don't even think you could get an Aliyah where you just have to say two brachas, Baruchas Hashem and just say Ashabach Arbano. I don't think you can even do that. I am majorly impressed, and I'd like to compliment you for calling up on air. That is amazing, by the way. I would have never thought, based on your questions and who you are, that you would have the confidence to do that. I should say you have the confidence, but you to be able to actually do that is amazing. Okay, 
thank you. But I'm weird by now. It's now I'm blushing, but it goes over in five minutes. That's right. So you're fighting uh, it. Yeah, but but Russia. Try it. You will see. You can also get over it in five minutes. No, let's see. The Russians is more hour. I was sitting, look on the one. One of the Russians are over. Understand? Yes. Is it a way that should not be like that? My friend, you've got anxiety. That's called anxiety. You're fighting it, but you're not healing the core. Go into the core. What are your fears? What are your beliefs? What are your what are your inner programs? What are the inner messages that you hear? I have someone many times I ask the clients, who's the voice in your head? Brother, sister, mother, father, malamud, grandparents. Who's those voices in your head telling you you can't make a mistake? It takes anxiety is Bachshem very treatable today. There's therapy that works. There are vitamins that work, and if those don't work, then there's also medication that works, and they usually can combine all three together. Anxiety. There's no reason to live with that. There's no reason for you to stay stuck with it. There's no limit reason for it to limit your life, and there's no reason for your children to have that and to suffer. Even if you think you didn't show them that you have it, you will notice, unfortunately, that anxiety. It's emotions, and I find emotions transfer to kids. There's no reason for you to suffer when it's from the most easiest things to work on. The most, I would say, from my experience that I've seen that therapy and medication or vitamins help is anxiety. It's the easiest to work on. That's the things that I love specializing in. Personality disorders, I send them away right and left. People come to me. They barely even get that first session of evaluation. I even tell the person in 10 minutes, I don't mind you leave now. You won't even have to pay for the session. Let's just finish now. Anxiety is something that's easy to work. It might take a long time, but it's definitely workable with Siata Dishmaya. Don't suffer. Don't need to suffer. Your head could be clear. Well, you can well, just don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not. I'm not like a person that is always ashamed. I'm not. I'm, I'm a popular guy, and I have friends. I'm not stuck with nothing. I, I feel excellent. I am so glad to hear that. So the more successful you're outside, the happier I am for you. However, I'm talking about now inner peace. I'm talking about not thinking in your head that no you one can. Inner peace. I'm, 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 I'm a terrible show with everything, but I think only that part of blocking. Okay, so then that's just one area, no problem. So you got it in one area of that, and then, unfortunately, when we do therapy, we need to open up the person, like go in there, and you're going to see it. From my experience, is going to be a work to be done. It's not one. Of, I don't think it's going to be one or two sessions. That's all that I will say, but just know it is workable, Siata Dishmaya. Okay. All right, Reb Shimon. I appreciate that. Thank you for calling in. We have over here a question, two questions from the Lakewood Scoop, and one question is over here. Thanks for the great show. How do you teach a 12-year-old that is overweight to control her appetite without affecting her self-consciousness, or I guess her self-esteem? It's a very simple conversation. Your weight is not healthy. You're a great person. Let's focus on your weight. Let's work on restraining ourselves. Let's work on self-control. Why does that have to affect their self-consciousness? It's simply we need to be a certain health, a certain weight. We need to learn balance. Just like we need to do exercise, just like you need to get up in the morning to school, this is what we eat. We don't have to break a person's self-esteem. You're fat, you're ugly, you're this, you're that. And if you don't change, no one's going to want to be your friend. Stop with all that negative stuff, just reality. 
behavioral in the positive sense. This is what we need to target. This is the healthy weight for your age group. And this is how we're going to do it. Next question, a lot more complicated. My wife, who's in her 70s, has been gaining weight to the point where she's now obese. She's constantly snacks. I believe it's because she's nervous and worries about everything and everyone in the family. I'm concerned that the excess weight, excess weight will affect her health. She has high blood pressure and is on medication for it. Her family has a history of heart disease. I try to convince her to do something about the weight. Join a program, see a nutritionist. She ignores me. Any suggestions? Yes, called codependence. Yes means... As a husband, you should have the strength, how to be very clear, just like if Chassasholem, your wife, would want to be Machal Shabbos, you would know how to get it stopped. You're worried about her life, her physical life, go ahead and find your strength. However, what I hear is on throughout your marriage, your wife ran the show. Your wife had the final say, and you've never had that power. Now you're worried, and now you're trying to get the simple advice when you're married for about 45 to 50 years. And the advice to you is whatever hasn't been mastered in the first couple of years of marriage, Mer Tashem will still come back over and over. The Rabbi Shalom will send it. So when it came to Shaduchim and you wanted your children to date certain ones and your wife got her way, when it came to send to certain schools, when it came to take a day off or not to take a day off, your wife had that final say most of the time. And now at 70 years old where your wife is eating to dangerous levels where it's affecting her health and her family's got a heart disease conditions, She's still not listening, and you're still weak. So, my friend, let us go to that program, number 39, The Beauty of Saying No. And I would recommend to you the program on codependence, which is what I'm looking for. And that is such a beautiful program, number nine. Deal with that, and then send us your message right after. Ramosha, you're on the air with Mordechai. Hi, um... Sorry. Oh, last what? Yes. I asked you to get permission from your parents. Did you get that? I did. Yeah, I did. Excellent. So please tell everyone your question. I remember your question clearly, but thank you so much. Hi. Um, I have um, special news. I have a little sale. I have a blah, blah, blah. Well, anyway... Moshe, it's not coming out so clear. Are you maybe in a basement? Are you from? A, are you calling in a certain place that the reception isn't coming across? No. Okay, so just say it again. So you started learning disabled. You're diagnosed and no, no, I'm physically disabled. Physically disabled. Okay, I'm yeah. sorry. Thank you. All right. So anyway, a lot of times, um, it me like uh. On the mental retard or on the three-year-old, a demo, blah, blah, blah. And other times, like uh, in school, the name are punish me, but they're afraid that, I don't know, they think they on um, in a wheelchair. So let me repeat the question. First question is that people, A, they look at you as if you're mentally retarded. Those are the words that you use because you have a physical disability. So you're in a wheelchair and they yeah. talk to you like as if you're retarded. And B, what you're saying is that the 
that in school, when you make trouble, the Rebbeim will not punish you like anyone else because you're in a wheelchair, and therefore they have Rachmanis on you. Right. And what would you like? What is the goal? What would you like to tell? Let's go ahead and let's let's help you out. What would you like first? You know, I just want a way to let them know that I'm not the, the poor little kid that they think I am. Exactly. And why do you want to know who are you? So you're not the poor little kid that they see you. Who are you? Who are you? Yes. I am a... Smart. A normal. A normal. Normal. Smart. You can learn. You make trouble, you want to get punished. I mean, I, I, you don't want I to get punished, want... you'd rather not, but you don't want to be di- different. Right. Now, how can you go ahead and tell that to people? That, my question. Let's first start with the Rebbeim. How can you tell to the Rebbeim? Uh, that, that, that's Yes. So one of the steps that we can do is you actually speak to the Rebbeim, Maybe go down with your parents, or maybe you do it on your own. The way you're able to call up, I think you're strong enough you could do it on your own. Go over to the Rebbeim and tell the Rebbeim, just because I have a physical disability that might affect my walking, might affect even the way I speak, might even affect partially a little bit the way I look, for whatever reason, but my mind is all there. I know what I'm doing, and treat me like everyone else. I do something wrong, you know, I mean, accept my disability that I can't jump, maybe you can't jump uh, the jumping jacks, but you could learn like everyone else. If you speak out in the middle of class, they should tell you something. You should be on time to Shachris if you're able to make that on time. Yeah. Go ahead, tell that to them, and they will treat you that way. Yeah, I know you. But are you ready to go into that? So many people love taking their limitations. Let me tell you, there are several inspirational video clips that I like watching sometimes that keeps me going. There's one video clip, I'm not going to say where it is because we're on air, but there's a person that was a, that for whatever reason, both hands had to be removed. I'm not sure if he was born that way. I've seen two different people. And I've heard one of the most magnificent piano pieces being played with their toes. Wow. And this person is saying, I am not letting any limitations hold me back. So the first time someone played it to me, they asked me to close my eyes and they just hit play, and they were able, and they told me, how does this sound? Amazing. I said, now open your eyes and look at who's playing it. I am a huge believer in how many strengths we have rather than looking at our disabilities. You might have a brilliant idea that you will come up with, and only if you are not treated like a disabled, but you are treated as a successful, intelligent person with full potential like everyone else not just you i'm referring to everyone will you be able to use that i am a big believer that in this generation we are keeping our children too young that we're not letting them explore we're not letting them take responsibility and we're holding back future generations because of that so you maishi i would say since you called up asking for it my recommendation to you is to ask the rebbe give me extra homework I had a guy in my class when I was in social work school. He had, he had an issue visual. It means he wasn't blind, but he wasn't able to read, so he wasn't able to take the exams. So 
They had special. The colleges are prepared for that. They had the, the exams written in very big for him. And instead of writing, he would say the answer into a recording. But he did everyone. He did every, every single test the day we took it, the time we took it. He started, and then he went to another room and had to finish the same time. And this person told me, looks like it was another family member that had it, said, there's another family member that stays, Oi, I'm stuck, I'm stuck, I can't go anywhere. And he was with me in, in, a, master's, in a master's social work school. Wow. Anything you want to achieve with Siata Deshmaya can be achieved. We just need to be creative on how we'll, re- how we'll reach there. And do you know how you get there, Moishi? By you, the way you've said it. When people look at me, I am smart. I am healthy. I might be physically impaired, but mentally I'm all there. And if you demand the respect, you will be there. Now, let me tell you, in the military, it has to be earned. People want respect. It's got to be earned. You want the respect, Moishi? Start fighting. You know how you fight for it? Not with hands and feet. You fight for it by showing I'm talented. Start asking, what's something that you can be talented on? Start learning. Know geography, if that helps you. Know the country. Know the capitals. Um, you want to know numbers, information. Start excelling in an area. And it doesn't have to be physical, because you might have a physical impairment, but maximize your brain. Yeah, I know you. So, Maishi, what? so you tell me, what is something you can build yourself up, take, that people will see, I am talented and strong. He's a smart kid. He's physically impaired, but mentally and emotionally, wow, he's great. Uh, another thing, I remember um, one time I came home from Trump and a lady saw me and she looked at my housework. Actually, like, 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 so the guy that was with me, I think like, Right. Wait, I'm not getting it. You were, someone once told you, you remember that someone once told you, and then I got the uh, the end part about the World War II. Just let me get the middle. Someone once looked at me, and then they told the person that was with me that I... Okay, so what you're saying is you heard the way someone was telling someone else about you that you look like you came from Auschwitz. Yeah, I'm a poor little... Poor little. So I'll share with you a cousin of mine. I was once walking with a cousin of mine, and then there were some Goyim yelling at us because we're Yidin saying, look, there's the devil. So my cousin turned around and said, hey, at least he's good looking. I have an entire program where you got to be able to find a strength within yourself to be something. And what I mean is there's a famous Gemara that I quote that they, that you would think David HaMelech, right? The famous David HaMelech, that we know that Mashiach is going to come from him and all that. 
must have been when he was king, everyone was respecting him and all that. So the Gemara says that when he would go into the Besmedrish, they would start making comments. I think I mentioned it last week about Rus, Mayavi, Mayavis, uh, not really about that, about whatever it was, about something, a certain Aveiro that the Gemara says he didn't do, whatever the question is, but they were teasing him about doing something. So what David HaMelech said was, he says, maybe I might get for my Aveiro there's Misa. He says, but if someone embarrasses me, we got to be able to understand that even the great David HaMelech was teased at his times. People are going to make comments. That is reality. I want to answer them, but I, I don't have the gun. You want to answer them what? I feel like I have to answer them, but I don't have the, the willpower to do that. Say that one more time. You want to answer them? But I don't have the guts to. You don't have the guts to answer them what? You know, when they, when they call me a member, you know. Well, first of all, there are several things. You want to work on, on answering them, getting confident. You can work on that with your parents. Have them make a comment, and you'll respond. And you'll practice it quicker, over and over. The way we gain something is by practice. On the other hand, you want to be able to start learning this is reality. I get comments all the time as a therapist, positives and negatives. It's just part of reality. The question is, are you going to be busy listening to what they're saying, or are you going to be too busy growing and going where you want to head to? Are you going to be busy answering back everyone that's going to make a comment and trying to prove to everyone that you're smart? <clears throat> or are you rather going to be studying, growing, get great marks, and everyone's going to be talking about you automatically? My father tells me not to think about it. May I help it? Okay, Mike. So hold on. So that's where you get a therapist. Find out someone that your parents can go to and will give you the tools. Mike, you're calling in. It's chizik for me. Chizik for everyone. Know that you are a smart person as you're saying it. Use your greatest talent and maximize it. Thank you. Right? My pleasure. And thank you for calling back. And I appreciate your parents for giving you the permission. We are going to Chaim on line three. Chaim, you're on the air with Mordechai. Hi, thank you for taking my call. My pleasure. Um, I had a question like this. I want to know, how could I deal with a parent who has a lot of, um, I guess, emotional issues? They don't want to agree that they have any of these issues, and everyone around them sees it, and everyone around them suffers from it. And I'm, me as a child, I feel very, I feel very like embarrassed having such a parent. How do I deal with that issue? There are about five different questions within this question. Let's focus on just one of them. <clears throat> the parents have issues and they don't want to go for help? Their issue. The family suffers from that? The, father, the healthy parent needs to make, this, needs to make an intervention, how to, not an intervention as in the intervention, but needs to come up with a plan? If not, each sibling, when they get older, needs to come up with a plan on how they will help themselves, or the older siblings can try to help. Help, not take over the other ones. The number one theme I heard from your question was codependence. You need to help that parent. The more we're trying to help that parent and cover up, the less that parent will help, the less that parent will actually change. We need to have them let go. 
We need us to let go. Now, the question I heard you say, which is completely within your powers, how can you deal with when you have a parent that has a disorder or embarrassing or embarrassment? That is the real healthy part to your question, which is take it to you. Separate yourself on a certain level, not completely, but from the emotion that's going on. And you will find that once you heal your inner embarrassment or your pain, once you find that you are healthy, that you don't get triggered by the parent that is unhealthy, that is when the real shifts can happen in the family. <clears throat> Does that make sense first? Well, it doesn't make sense. The thing is, like, how do I do that? It's called codependence, and that is a lot of work. That's not a regalachas. How many years is your parent unhealthy? Probably from the day you were born. That's probably. And therefore, if let's say you're 20 years old, you're 30 years old, you live with about eight, not about, these 8,723 hours in a year. You lived with that for 23 years. If you just take one session or two sessions for every, so that means 45-minute sessions, an hour and a half for a year, one and a half hours to, to combat 8,723 hours that you lived with that is what's needed. This is a too big of a question. I don't want to give you the tools that you are definitely not going to succeed without guidance. It's so personal that you're going to be blind, that you're going to be making mistakes, and you're going to need help doing that. If you'd like the short answer, I've got an entire program on codependence, which is program number nine, which you can either download from my website, winnerformula.com, or from the phone line in section one, and do it from there. But codependence is a huge issue. I call that number two diagnosis in the from world. I can give you the short tips to that. Short tips is to start, stop thinking when you're going, how will they manage to stop going? No, I need to think about me. What does Chaim need? You need to start making a list of what I need to accomplish today. You need to make a list of when I need to deal with it, that when I need to do this and my family needs something else, I need to take care of myself first. You need to start putting in the tools of trusting in the Rabbi Shalom. Codependents do not trust the Rabbi Shalom, although we say it, we don't really let it. And we got to fight and fight and fight and fight and fight. No, we got to let go. We got to let go, which brings us to a similar question I just got over here from the Lakewood Scoop. I have a question for you. You're constantly trying to calm everyone down and the, about their emotions to let it go. Doesn't all the leaders and heads all, all, of all the organizations, even the Gedolim, have strong emotions and control? Please explain between healthy and not. Thank you so much for your show, which is really which, which really clear our minds in this confused generation. With pleasure. And let's take that to you. There's a time when we need to control. There's a time when we need to do something. And I don't want to use the word control. There's a time we need to act. But we let go. Emotions are meant to be taught how to manage. You're allowed to have the emotion, I feel bad for my siblings. What is not healthy is when you cannot learn because your head is busy with them. That is when you're codependent, when you cannot live your life and you're taken over. Of course, emotions, when they're positive, are meant to ride, are meant to happen. But we also have alteratza odam b'shas kasai. When a person's angry, don't try to analyze it then. Emotions are healthy. Emotions are the energy, are the drive, they're the life of people. But at the same time, if you are stuck, that you cannot live because of the emotion, that's when they need to be balanced and harnessed. They're able to live just like from time to time. It's just like whenever I see... Time to time? It. How often are you playing in your head? How much of your brain is thinking about the family? Let's be honest. Probably 5%. Okay, then I don't think your question would be such a question. When you're 5%, it's okay, my mother's got an issue. The people that let go, 
are able to let go to say, okay, that's where she is. That's no, what their like, that's what their bunch of them like has put her. It's just like embarrassed. I mean, like I feel very like just feel uncomfortable whenever like I. Then that is now something else. So now it's your issue. Out. So now let's rephrase the whole question: Is I have a parent that is embarrassing. That's not okay, codependence. Yeah. That's a whole separate issue. And now we start right. going into how can we start getting your evaluation about yourself not based on the outside world because this is when people start going I'm nothing because my father isn't a millionaire or when you're in yeshiva I'm nothing because my father isn't a Rosh Hashiva we all I feel like it is more because it's your issue when you're in houses that people don't have money and they feel inferior because they don't have money they feel their whole life will never be anything because they don't have money my friend, wow. everyone in your position, whoever has, and I always share the story. I had a one day a person come into my office and say, you know something, I'm an elder bachar, I'm not married. There could be nothing worse than that. If at least didn't have children, at least I have a wife to be together. Or Chasashom, if there's a Yenamachlo, the person said cancer, at least the world gives sympathy. That day I had another client come in saying we don't have children and saying it's so scary. At least if I was an elder bachar, I could enjoy myself. But I wouldn't have my wife crying. I wouldn't have when we want to go to Simcha. My wife is so down. I can't deal with that. She's pulling me down. You know, and the Chashon of this Yenamachla, at least there's sympathy. Then I have a person coming in saying Yenamachla with this lady saying, now, but I won't make it, saying to my son's bar mitzvah, he's going to be a Rachmanis. At least if I was an elder Bach, I'm not causing other people's pain. Or at least if it just wasn't children, at least I'm not causing someone else's pain. That story I repeat over and over how the Rebbein gave it to me in one day. You're saying, by me, it's embarrassing. That person has that. No. Absolutely yeah, not. Yeah. Everyone to their has, issue. issue they think is that's right, and they are blind. And when we learn to face our deepest, darkest secrets and to accept it, yes, I have a parent that is not healthy. Yes, my father doesn't have money. Yes, my father is not a Rosh Hashiva. Yes, I don't have a father. Yes, my father is in jail. Whatever it should be, when we can face our biggest fear, it loses its complete power over us. I hear, I hear that. Exposure therapy is when they tell people, tell people I have a mother that's disabled. Yep. I mean, I'm able to share. I feel I got codependence. I feel I suffered from perfectionist. I've worked on so many issues. Major fears. As a kid, I never even raised my hand in class. Now I'm able to speak live and do all that stuff. But I've been going for therapy for many years for me to grow, to bring out my power. In my oh, recent sessions, I'm going to a place I've only dealt with once or twice, but I'm now comfortable discussing it with one or two different therapists. The easier we go in there, if someone else confront me, is that and that your issue? I'd go, it's none of your business. In the past, I might have denied it, this or that. The more comfortable we are with our weaknesses, the less hold it has on us. So should I let to go over to people that I trust and discuss with them? That's step two. Step one, is, step one is first for you to be able to acknowledge, take it to you. If you have a parent that is weird, what does it do to you? That's where therapy. First, we internalize what is, what is now your label if you have a parent that's unhealthy. Are you crazy? In your heart, not what people will say even. What do you feel? Are you afraid you will be like that person? Did yeah. they embarrass you in the past? And therefore, you're still having that embarrassment that now you're older and you can change your shift, change your view, saying people have got it. Do you need to maybe look at each of your friends and see what are their chasroins on the stand? They are walking around with the same issue like you, but on a different place.
the biggest issue of that I would say we walk around within ourselves is our secrets. And this is not just me. This is all over. Our biggest secret will hold us back. And I work with the wealthiest, the most hush of whatever we want to call it. And I see how their secrets destroy them. And we got to make peace with our secret. Before you announce it to all your friends, I would first speak it over to someone, as you said in the past, that they're... But not a friend, I'm saying more like a Rosh Shiva, like a... First discuss it, get it out in the open. I don't know if a Rosh Shiva would be the right one that would want to guide you. As you said, you once got that ride with someone that was very clear, do that with them again. Get a I ride and discuss... You Didn't you once call up saying you had a therapist that you once hopped a long ride with and they clarified? Self-esteem? No. Oh, okay, but then find someone that you can discuss it with that understands Chachmus HaNefesh. Could be a Maggit Shir if, or Rosh Hashiva if this is his talent. Right, yeah. But you want to be able to identify what's your weakness, what's your fear, what's your embarrassment if everyone will know your Chassarn, and that's just a reality. So we attach emotions to realities. If we can just accept things as realities... So an example, are you embarrassed when you might have black hair and someone else has got blonde hair? No. Are you embarrassed if you have an ear and another person also has an ear? Right, I guess, yeah. But some people will feel, oh, my color brown because someone once made a comment is different than someone else and now we're always worried about if our hair is the same color as everyone else or different. In your brain, having a mother that's different, you've created, I am now different because something is different. We are all different. Kishem Shepard Seifayim. Excuse me. Uh, the same way. Kishepard Seifayim. Shoyness. Or I've actually just forgot it now. But the same way that our faces are different, the same way our Daseim is different. It's funny, the mental block to that. But to go there right now. So let's understand that. We are all different. We want to be able to accept our uniqueness, our strengths, and our chesroinus. Right, I hear. And the minute you can face it, the safer you'll be at a simcha, at a wedding, at wherever it is, and your mother's there, that's just her. You don't have to be around her to feel it all the time, or you'll be able to be around her and be comfortable with it. Isn't it amazing when people volunteer with people that are sometimes mentally disabled or physically disabled, we feel like we're doing the greatest mitzvah, and when it's a sibling, all of a sudden we're so embarrassed? Right, same okay. reality it's about making that conscious shift it's not about me it's not about you you are who you are your parents are who they are there is an attachment there's a mitzvah's kibbutz of aim but your identity is not defined by others it's defined by you and by your action right here excellent Okay, bye. Thank you very much. You're very welcome, Reb Chai, and we are going to Reb Levi. Reb Levi, you're on the air with Mordechai. Reb Levi. Hello, hello? Hello? Yes. Yes, uh, I will, please, can you give some tips not to get affected by... Uh, anxiety of a spouse. Let's first understand that. What does that mean? Number one, not being there. <laughs> oh, that's not possible. Great. Usually when a spouse has anxiety, it goes a little bit different. 
What happens is, again, that program that we call codependence is we try to put our spouse at ease. We try to help them. We think it's our job to be their therapist. Ah, oh, my friend, you can't do that. Please call right back. Don't ask for the tips without any more information. So we're just going to give the short little tips, but if we hung up, we're going to then drop that, which is most of the reason why we have anxiety when our spouses have anxiety is because we try to help them. We try to change them. And when we can't change them, we're feeling more and more frustrated. When that spouse yells or screams or the anxiety, when they get overwhelmed and we feel, oh, they don't want to go for help. We have no way to deal with that. One of the classical um, tools when that, when that person doesn't want to go for therapy, they go, what should I do? My spouse doesn't want to go for therapy. And I give a muscle. If you have a spouse, has a shalom, that broke a hip, doesn't want to go to the doctor, so stuck in bed, they can't eat, you have to bring them food. You can't go to work. Or if, you ha or if it's the husband that it happened to, you can't clean the house because you got to then help them go to the bathroom. Everything, they're not getting off the bed. You would say, and they go, please don't send me to the doctor, to the hospital, I need to do it. And then it gets worse. You can't do anything. Maybe for two, three days you'll feel bad. But afterwards you're going to say, you need a doctor, it's going to get worse. You're not able to sit there 24-7. And then the pain, the excruciating pain. You're going to get them. You're going to call Hatzal members. You're going to get a doctor to come down, whatever is needed. And there's going to be a cast and it's going to be set correctly. Would you let it go a month that way where you're not leaving the room and the pain and nothing's happening, no parnas is coming in, you can't function? Absolutely not. Somehow for mental health, we the person says, I don't want to go for help and we give in. Your spouse has got issues. Take responsibility. Get stronger. You go for the therapy and boy, you're going to see how quickly your spouse is going to go for help. Another question on the Lakewood Scoop. I've been to a couple of therapists for anxiety. I was not successful. My biggest issue is I'm socially awkward. And even though I know I'm awkward, I can't help it. And I end up getting strange looks from everyone. I can't connect to anyone. And I'm so isolated. Even though I try so hard, I don't know what to do anymore. Everyone already thinks I'm weird and I'm having a hard time getting a date. I'm a 22-year-old girl. What can I do? This story doesn't make sense. You've gone to several therapies. You're socially awkward. You didn't deal with your anxiety. It doesn't add up to me. Nope. Sorry, I won't accept that. I believe that there's a lot that can be done for anxiety. There's therapy. There's medication. And you can definitely deal with that. There's a lot of cognitive thoughts to go ahead and to say it doesn't matter about what people think. I'm not so confident that it, that it didn't work. Not at all. So my recommendation is go to another therapist. Maybe respond if you feel comfortable through the Lakewood Scoop. Or if you'd like to text in over here where I'll probably get it even quicker. You can text in to the number 347-927-8398. Um, 347-927-8398. And go ahead, tell me if you've taken any medication for that. There's no need for you to suffer. You're 22 years old and you're a girl. Now's the time for Shaduchim. Now's the time for you to do action, not the time for you to be playing around and to be waiting about, you know, this is the problem and that's the problem. Go ahead and deal with it, Riftgate. Don't wait, just deal with it. So send me a text, tell me if you've tried medication. If you're socially awkward, there are a lot of behavioral skills that you can learn. Therapists can work with you on that. Don't be stuck, don't stay. Don't stay with a trap, you're 22. The rest of your life is in front of you. We've got line one, Rifki. I wonder if this is you. Rifki, you're on the air with Mordechai. Yeah, hi, um, I'm just calling about the person from London you called before. Yes. Um, I wanted to tell you that in London, the people are less um, less 
re- um, expressive about their emotions. So I think it could be that what you were saying that she didn't kind of match up. I think what she meant to say more than she can't express herself is that she's scared to express herself because once she does express herself, um, the reaction she'll probably get is not what she wanted. Now, do you notice how that has nothing to do with the society? That is an inner fear. The reason why we don't express ourselves is because we have certain fears. Now, it happens to be I have an aunt living in, in London, and I've got lots of relatives, cousins there. I've been to England several times. I know how very well they can what express themselves. What part of themselves. London? Gold is green. Gold is green is more expressive than Stanford Hill. That's very true. And Hendon might be more expressive than that. That's not the point. The point is, are we going to be blaming our society? Or are we going to find people, you know what, I don't want to mention names, but I know several people in, in Stanford Hill that are extremely expressive. Especially, and you want you to realize, our from world boundaries, borders, are not as strong as it is in the Gaisha world. So British might be more reserved compared to an American. But the from world, we're busy traveling and flying. We're one world. We're all going to Eretz here, there. There's so much going on. If you're Chassidus, you're going into the Rebbe, you're coming here. There's cultures that we don't get that affected. What I do find gets affected is families in the from world, which is even in America, where there's denying of emotions that we cannot express because we don't have them and the family has never taught them and we want to blame it on our country. Right. Also, let's see, you talk a lot about going to therapy. I think probably people you recommend should go to therapy. Whereas in London, it's really not the damn thing. I don't need anyone to go to therapy. The point of this program is to create awareness. Start speaking to the Magichirim, start speaking to the teachers, start speaking to the Madrichim. I'm here to create awareness. Based on awareness, there will then become a demand. Based on the demand, they'll start improving. That's the beauty of competition. Someone once told me, I'm not going to go into where, but there was a certain kihila, and I'm not going to go into which country it's in, but there was a split in the kihila. For whatever reason, and because of that, the second shul that opened up started giving more shiurim. So now the first shul had to create or had to sort of join the competition because they didn't want to lose their mispalim and opened up a, and started having better shiurim. Then they started bringing in different rabbanim to speak. Understand the beauty of life, the beauty of awareness that I want to create is if there is such a problem and people are asking for it, there will become a demand. Once it happens, we won't just settle for someone that is a therapist that hasn't been updated and isn't taking courses. We're now going to want something better, something more. My point is there's a need. I hear it all the time. Let's create the awareness that there's a need. So now people step up to the plate. Once they step up to the plate, they will now create a new level. So in the Chesidish world, there are some fantastic programs. There's a guy called Hager. He came from Eretz Yisrael to America and created a confidence course. From him, there are three people that now have different confidence courses out there. There's someone right. that, that has come and they travel all over. There's someone else, Steinmetz, that's doing productive course. I heard there's someone, Melber, Edel Melber, that he does his course. And then there is, um, what is his name again? Um, someone else, a Rebbe's son, a very wonderful person, and he does similar courses, which means each one has changed, adapted, and raised the level. That's what's going on. I'm not recommending therapy. What I'm recommending is you need guidance. Get guidance. And guidance was always a Yiddish point that we've stopped. Do you know that up until probably the last 50 years, everyone was connected to a Rav? There was a Rav in the shtetl, and you spoke to them. When was the last time you spoke to your Kehillah's Rav, your father's Rav? Ever in your yeah. life? Let me ask, have you ever spoken to him? 
Um, yeah, I actually have. For five minutes? What? Yeah. <laughs> now, understand, no, question. understand that what has changed wasn't Yiddishkeit has changed, America or the new modern age has changed how it used to be. We always had to be... If I'm on the line, can I already ask something else? Go right ahead. Especially you're calling um, it from England, so, yeah. Okay, I don't know if it, it, how much it's in America, this, but in England, currently, it's quite strong, something called innate health. Of course, yes, I know of that. It's also very picking up very strong in, in America as well. Right, so um, innate health, I don't know, I suppose it depends how you do it, but part, some of it can clash a little bit with Yiddishkeit. Um, in the fact that it, it sometimes allows you to do wrong and it's okay when we know that if you can stop yourself, you should be stopping yourself. That is actually very, very not correct what you've just said. Why? Because when there is ever a problem of your inner growth, of your needing to do things, and it's a question of halacha, a rav must be contacted. And that means if it's needed, many times there are certain halachas that are siyag, which are considered boundaries. But if that boundary is hurting you, then the rov, a competent rov, not someone that is just, you know, has ten mispalm opened up a shul and not chasom knocking that person, but just saying someone that answers Shilas all day will be able to tell you if this is something that you need to grow and break out of. So I've... Right, no, I'll tell, I'm telling you why, why I'm asking is because um, I'm going to be having a pupil this coming year that I know her mother is very um, into this innate health and... I think that it could be that the children have just gotten it a little bit wrong, but the children take a lot of liberties, and whenever they get told off for anything, they just say, I'm a teenager, I'm allowed to, it's okay. And that, again, is nothing to do with therapy. That's, let's understand, I don't want to defend innate health or not, I want to defend the theory. The theory is that in order for us to grow, we will be making mistakes. The theory is that when we make mistakes, we need to do tshuva. And many times in our therapy process, that's why I have Rabbanim, so I'd like to give you an example. There's someone that called me up with a question that was literally a life and death question of a person that I felt was life and death. The rest of the life can be ruined, and the only solution that's out there is to send them to an in-house facility where they do not serve kosher food. And I told this person, the parent, only ask from the three biggest gedolim in America, at least for the Litvish world, because a Litvish person, I sent them to Shmuel Kamnetsky, to Reb David Feinstein and to a third row. I said, please only ask these three because they deal with these Shilas daily. Instead, they asked their Rav, which has maybe 20 people that has doesn't answer these Shilas, and the Rav says no. Can't send. I know for a fact these Rabbanim would have said yes when they would have heard what, and I also know for a fact that they would have been able to get kosher food or they have those meal-marked, vacuum-packed food that these facilities work out. Instead, this person wanted to send a client to me and said, absolutely not, I'm not taking that. I'm not going to continue with your disorder. It's a life and death, Shiloh, I am not going to take. If someone is hit by a car and I'm a little, you know, general doctor, I am not going to soon come to my private practice little office. Many people take a tool and they ruin it. Let's not ruin therapy. I don't want to go into any system at all. I'm not defending innate health or any other system. So how should I deal with this girl? What is your issue? If someone doesn't have air, if your friend doesn't have air, are you busy telling them, please stop doing it? No, but I'm a teacher, and if I tell her off and she says, I'm a teenager, I'm allowed to make mistakes. Absolutely no, that then you go into, sorry, you sit down with her ahead of time in the year, and you start setting the boundaries. You're allowed to make mistakes, and part of the tool of making mistakes is you do not do it again. That's how there is structure. If you do not follow the structure, I am a teacher, and I am allowed to not have you in my class. 
Anything. Shouldn't say never. It's an extreme. I very rarely do. It's whatever choice you make, I will back you up either way. If you make a mistake and you fall, I'll be there to help you pick up the pieces. You made it the successful choice. I'll be there to enjoy with you the success. You have the right as a teacher to say you in your environment can make your choices. In this environment, we make our choices. So, for an example, let me ask you. If someone is a clown, are they allowed to make cartwheels? And make and wear funny clothing. What at a fair? Yes. Yeah. Now, what happens if that person is a clown by profession, but he's going to court and he's still dressing like the clown and making cartwheels in the court? What will happen to him? No, um, he'd get told off. That's right, or he'll probably be sent to prison. And that's what you want to explain to this girl and to the mother. You're right; your daughter is a teenager. She's allowed to make mistakes, but there are structures that are not acceptable to break. And if you don't feel your kid is able to, or mature enough, or should respect these rules, then maybe we need to find another place. Right, I see. Okay, thank you very much. As a teacher, you need to set the tone of the class. Your leadership is what will teach the entire class. If you do not lead, many others will lead. And teenagers have a wonderful way of finding excuses for everything that they want to do. Right. <laughs> Makes sense? Yeah. Excellent. Great. Thank mm. you. Yes. Oh, wow. So many questions are coming in. I mentioned the thing. My pleasure. What's going to go? We are going to go to Malki. Malki, you're on the air with Mordechai. Milky or Malki? Oh, Milky. Okay. Um, I am to fly next week um, by plane. A domestic flight, but it doesn't make a difference. And I'm, I'm like, I, I can't see myself doing this. I didn't do it since nine, since two thousand when um, nine eleven thing happened. And I'm uh, like, I don't feel that I can go onto a plane. And I have like, I, I, I I'm scared of this. Like, and let's last... let's jump right ahead. Let's go back. Which one of your parents talk about fears and watch where you cross and watch how you're going and tell me your fears before nine eleven? Let's go to the real cause. My mother. Excellent. And how, what fears did you used to have all the time growing up? Were you afraid to be alone in the house? Um, were you afraid? Maybe when I was younger. Yeah. Were you afraid of tests? Were you afraid people would make fun of you? Were I afraid what? Were you afraid of tests that you'll fail? Probably not. Were you not? Probably not. Yes or no? It's a simple question. Uh, no. No, it doesn't sound like a simple no to me. It sounds like 70%. What kind of test? Like, uh, um, uh, 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 to you, you see, there you go. You've already get, the answer is already yes, by the way. Because if it's not, it's just no. Are you afraid of things when you hear what happens in Ertisrael? You um, hear a tragedy happens, do you worry? Are you worried now, came summertime, there shouldn't be an accident driving upstate, and what's going to yes. happen? Yes. yes. So let's Very understand scary. your question is not about flying. Your question is about anxiety. You suffer from anxiety. Forgive me for being so blunt. 
So just help me. I need to fly next week in any case. Medication. <laughs> you want a quick answer? Medication is the quick answer. Okay. It's the only thing that works. There's a Valium, Clonopin, all those benzo type. They usually work. Right away, they're not going to be a healing because the other type of healing that's usually needed is more different types, but medication is usually the one that does it. That's the quick answer. One other quick answer is if you, you go to... You have like a, a certain medication that I can really take, just like that? Of course. The question well, is will be strong enough if it will work. Sure. It usually works within 25 to 45 minutes. It might not work exactly for you because it's not the right one, but it's definitely something that calms it down. That's what they give. Till the other medication for anxiety kicks in, which can take between three to six weeks which is an SSRI, usually the doctor prescribes. Till then, they give you the benzos, the clonopin, Ativan, things like that, Valium, whatever they should be. Those help out within 25 minutes and it calms down until the other ones kick in, certainly. The and short answer like, is... These are all like, um, you need prescriptions for that, right? I use the word medication. Medication will mean, yes, need prescription, need to go to a doctor. I see. Yup. Now, okay. there is a type of therapy that I have seen that, does, that has done miracles, on for this type only, but I've only seen it. It's not for this. I've adapted this. I've taken a course called EMDR, and it's really meant for trauma. I've done it on several people, for, let's say, fears of flying for anxiety. It has worked on, let's say, one out of 20 that they are able to fly right away. So sometimes if someone's doing that, I try that just as a, as, as they call it in football, a Hail Mary, just to give it like where you throw from one side of the court to the other side of the court, and you hope the guy <laughs> makes it when there's that. But Generally, medication and therapy is the process, and the question, even that, you don't expect it to work in one shot. Uh, like, how do I get that? Like, only, um, what kind of thing? What did you call it? How did you call it? Oh, I'm not going to tell it to you. You're going to go to a doctor, and you're going to tell them what your problem is, and the doctor's going to prescribe it. I don't want to go into telling you what to do, and I don't know what your doctor will prescribe. All I will tell uh -huh. you is that anxiety is treatable. You've had it for years. It's in your family. And you've got a choice to continue passing it on to your children or you would like to finally get better and heal it. That's the choices you have. And don't look for the quick fix because the quick fixes do not fix, do not last. They are short term. So go for therapy, deal with it, stop it, and with Siata Deshmai, you'll do better. I'd like to thank you all for listening. Let's thank all you. remember to grow together. We're here to grow, Merit Hashem, with Siata Deshmaya. We will all be successful and Davin that we will get the Geula Shalemo that by next week we'll be able to all be together. Thank you all for listening.